Good morning, Thrive. It is very nice to be here again and see you all again. This is my first time speaking at Thrive now that you've gone to two services. So uh, I get to do this twice today. That's how much I enjoy it. Japan has a very interesting place uh, uh, in my heart. Uh, there was uh, a beautiful vacation that my wife and I went on to Japan before the kids were born. Uh, we really got into hot tub culture, the onsens and all that sort of stuff. It was great. But whenever I think of Japan, I have a little eh in my heart. And that's because one of my friends from high school uh, chose to walk away from the Lord after high school. And he did that by running away to Japan. He left his family, he left his church, and his friends, and eventually he left Jesus as well. And he tried to escape to Japan. And uh, as a chaplain, I come across lots of these prodigals, right? I'm a workplace chaplain, and so I go into various companies, and as I'm meeting people and talking with them, I meet so many that say, I used to be a Christian. I used to believe in Jesus. I used to go to church, but they don't anymore. How many people here know a prodigal, a loved one, a family member, someone who's walked away from the Lord? Some of you do, yeah. You know, it's a painful thing for us, and it's also painful for them. See, choosing Jesus is the right choice for everyone, but it's hard to be a disciple. It's hard to be a disciple. And sometimes we lose people along the way. So you might have heard, no one said it would be easy. Yeah, but you know what? No one ever really told me how hard it would be either to be a true disciple of Jesus is very difficult. There's a verse in Matthew 22, verse 14. And it says, many, this is Jesus talking, many are invited, but few are chosen. That's a scary verse. All of us sitting here today are interested in Jesus, love Jesus, have decided to follow Jesus even. Many are invited, but few are chosen. That's quite frightening. Today we're going to spend a little bit of time looking how hard it is to be a disciple, according to Jesus. And we will be encouraged, not just challenged, okay? So uh, join with me as, as we together uh, go on this journey that is not always fun, okay? Not always easy. The gospel, as we know it, is a gospel of love, right? Uh, it feels good to love Jesus. I know that. You know that. See, God initiates, he, 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 he tells us of his love, he calls us to himself, and we respond. We say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Yes, I'm all in. I'm ready. Uh, so in love, we embrace his invitation. We, we jump in with two feet, like, yeah, let's go in the deep end. This is great. I love it. Uh, I hear God's love, and I want to I go all in. This is human nature, but Jesus knows what we are like. He knows that we have this tendency to look, sorry, to leap before we look, right? Uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to go for it uh, without having really thought about what it takes. 
Jesus knows what we need to hear when it comes to being a lifelong disciple. So today we're going to hear him remind us to count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. So today, if you're considering following Christ, today hear him tell you the truth. It will be hard. And today, if you are a young Christ follower, if you're just starting in your lifelong journey, hear him call you to a deeper level of obedience. And if you are a mature believer, please hear his invitation back to that original passion, back to that sold-out life where everything belongs to Jesus. Because Jesus makes it clear, we can't add him to our life. It's him or nothing else. Okay? All or nothing. Sorry, it's him and nothing else. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So, we start with the desire to respond in love. And so, uh, many of us know that we are commanded to go and make disciples. This is a picture uh, that, uh, from Saudi Arabia. When my wife and I heard God's call, we wanted to go to Saudi Arabia and we wanted to make disciples uh, for Christ. And so there's a picture of my oldest daughter, Wei Ling, with a young Saudi man. We're going to call him Abu Fadl. Now, his face has been blurred uh, for his own safety. He doesn't really want me to do this, but I'm going to try to keep him safe to the degree that I can anyways. Um, Abu Fadl was a young man. First, he was my student. Then he became my friend. And then God invited him uh, to be a disciple. And this caused a crisis for him. Because in Saudi Arabia, it's against the law to be a Christian. It's against the law for a Muslim to change religions to become a Christian. And so, it's not an easy thing to choose to follow Jesus. And so, this young man was really in a lot of turmoil. He was under a lot of stress. He was losing sleep. He was having trouble eating because he heard God's call on his life. But he thought it was impossible to obey. So God, in his grace, allowed me to come alongside Abu Fadl and say, Abu Fadl, say yes to a journey. Say yes to discovering if Jesus is the truth. Say yes to counting the cost of being a disciple. And then you will know whether you can say yes to being a lifelong disciple. Uh, because right now, he, he was in a position he couldn't decide. He was in crisis. It was the wrong time for him to make that choice. So uh, he went through a nine-month process of counting the cost. We met regularly. And then uh, my brother, your brother, Abu Fadl, was born a second time into the family of God. And uh, we have a picture here of him enjoying his first communion with our family. Uh, so uh, you can see both of the girls and Lindley. Um, you know, if I was going to have a picture of one of the girls, I had to have a picture of the other girl, right? So there they both are. Uh, and and uh, this is his first communion with us. Um, a typical Saudi meal, since this is International uh, Week. Uh, so we've got kapsa, which is rice with barbecue chicken, and, uh, uh, for, and, and then, of course, the bread, uh, the nice flat bread, and, uh, and, and a glass of grape juice. Uh, there is no wine in Saudi Arabia, even if we wanted to have that with our communion. 
Grape juice was the only option. So his commitment to the process of counting the cost resulted uh, uh, in a decision to accept Christ in a high-risk situation, right? He decided to become a follower of Jesus in a difficult place. Well, we're going to look at uh, uh, Luke chapter 14 today, and I encourage you to open your Bible so you can follow along. We're going to go piece by piece, but please uh, follow along in your own Bible as well. Jesus had become famous, all right? Uh, He was the miracle worker. He might be the Messiah. He was the hope that people had. And so large crowds were starting to follow him everywhere he went. And Jesus decided it was time for a reality check. Because as he turned around and he saw all these people coming after him, he said, wait a minute, you need to count the cost. And Jesus regularly does this throughout the Gospels. Again and again and again, he says, it's not easy to be my disciple. So here in Luke 14 is one example. Um, Think of it as this. Think of it as a quality control moment, all right? Those of you who work in industries where you have quality control, Jesus was saying, wait a minute, you need to understand that we're not about making followers. We're about making disciples. And he wanted people to reflect on that. Uh, My apologies uh, to all those who who come from Japanese culture, but I'm going to quote Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid now, all right? Do karate, no? Okay. Do karate, yes. Okay. Do karate, maybe, squish, just like grape, right? So this was what Jesus was giving people an opportunity to do. Reflect on the choice. Yes, no, not maybe. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm just checking. Uh, Is that in your Bible? I'm surprised to find it in mine. I mean, we... The gospel is a, is a story of love, right? And here's Jesus using language of hate. Well, I think Jesus uh, has, has a message for us here. And he wants to get our attention with this word hate. He doesn't want us to ignore him or gloss over what he's talking about. So Jesus wants to shake up our relationships when we count the cost for being a disciple. He wants us uh, uh, to to pay attention to what it's going to take in our relationships if we're going to be a lifelong follower of him. In uh, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, uh, Jesus uh, says this a little differently. He doesn't use the word hate, so I'm going to read that for you, um, just so that you understand what Jesus is trying to do here with these words. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And that's what's happening here with these verses. Jesus is saying very, very clearly that he must be your greatest love 
If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you must love him more than others, more than your parents, more than your friends, more than your spouse, husband, or wife, more than your kids. Notice how progressive it is. You know what should be next? More than your grandkids, right? These are people that we love in our life. But Jesus is saying, you must put me first before these other relationships. I have to be first. Uh, This brings up the question, what about the fifth commandment? In the Ten Commandments, the fifth commandment is honor your father and mother, right? So for those of you who may be having uh, difficult relationships with your family members, you might be seeing this as an option. Oh, Jesus says I only have to love him. No, (laughs) no. The fifth commandment is not erased by this teaching. Uh, Jesus says, you cannot ignore them. You cannot reject other people. But this is about priority. I am the priority in your life. You still must love others. And uh, they must still be in your life. So we need a practical step here. What can we do? And here's one thing I'd like to suggest. Is that we begin praying for those that we love if we're not regularly praying for them now. By praying, we're putting Jesus first. By praying, we're saying, Lord, I'm going to you first. And this person I love, I want you to care for them. I want you to take care of them. I want you uh, uh, to bring them into a greater understanding of discipleship and following you. It keeps our focus on Jesus, not on the people that we love. And we get to talk to him about these people that we love. And he will reorder our relationships in the correct manner. He will ensure that he is number one, even though we are still loving others. Okay? So that's my recommendation. Take a practical step. Pray for others. But Jesus isn't done. He goes on in uh, verse 27. And he says, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. Well, Jesus is going to shake us up again. And what he's shaking up now is our sense of entitlement, right? Our sense that, uh, uh, that, that we get stuff because we follow Jesus. And Jesus is making a different promise here. He's promising suffering if we choose to follow him. It's very interesting that Jesus uses the image of carrying the cross, which is the instrument of death, even before he was to die on the cross. He's already got the picture, and he's planting it in the minds of his disciples. Look, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and carry it to the place where you will be executed and you will die. And later, he did exactly that. He carried his own cross, uh, and when he was put on it, uh, he was killed. He was executed. And uh, he's telling his disciples, point blank, unless you're ready to do what I am going to do, you cannot be my disciple. Now, he is talking about suffering to the point of death. And let's remember, you know, uh, in Saudi Arabia, our friend Abu Fadl, Uh, His choice to follow Jesus means that he can be killed at any moment. It is a life and death decision for him. In Japan, we heard this morning that there are many people that are losing everything 
to follow Jesus. They're losing all of their community, all of their family, all their relationships, because they're putting Jesus first. For us, maybe the choice isn't that critical, but there will be a cost to following Jesus. There will be broken relationships because you choose to follow Jesus. This is a promise that Jesus is making to you. And uh, I think it's important that we recognize that all of the times that Jesus calls us to suffer, we want to ignore it. But the truth is, he's repeating it again and again. You must remember, it's going to cost you. You must remember, you will suffer. You know, right now in our church, uh, uh, our churches across uh, the world, there's a big push to, to, to talk about how much Jesus wants to bless us. How much, if we follow Jesus, uh, we will be wealthy, we will be healthy, right? The prosperity gospel. This is a lie from the evil one. And he is trying to destroy the church by getting us to follow our own God instead of following Jesus. Following Jesus means that you will suffer. This is his promise. So here's a practical step for you. Anticipate hardship. Expect trouble. Okay? A blessing is just that. A blessing is an unearned result of following Jesus. It's something he does for you. If you are sitting here today or when you're praying at home, you are expecting blessing, you might be struggling with the core message of the gospel. If you expect suffering, you are not missing the core message of what it means to be a disciple. All right? Anticipate hardship. Too often, we choose to believe in a gospel light, right? Like a Diet Coke, right? You can have it all. You can have a Coke, and it won't make you fat. You can have the gospel, and you can still be successful and rich and everything else that our society tells us that you can have. No. Jesus says, carry your cross if you want to be my disciple. Abu Fadl, uh, one, one, one dark moment in his life, his family discovered that he had become a, a follower of Jesus. And they took everything away from him. They took his computer, his phone, they took his freedom, they took his car, and his father beat him and put him in the hospital. Okay? And when that happened, he got a message to me through another student of mine. And that message said, don't worry, Kip. Jesus promised me this would happen. And I encourage you to understand that when trouble comes because you choose to be a disciple of Jesus, he promised you that would happen. He didn't promise to make you rich. He promised that you would suffer. All right, now Jesus is going to continue teaching, and he's going to use a few parables, all right? So here's the first parable. Suppose, Jesus says, one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation, not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. All right, everyone, point and laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Come on, try, try. Point and laugh. Ha, 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 ha. He couldn't finish it. Ha, ha. All right. He tried to build a wall, but he didn't have a good plan. Ha, 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 ha. That was a little political. Sorry. So, so, the, point and laugh, right? Jesus is telling a parable. 
Sometimes people set out on the greatest, most important, most valuable projects in their life without making a plan first. So here's the question for you. Are you going to finish it? Are you able to finish your lifelong journey as a disciple? Jesus wants us to, sh wants to shake up our resources. He wants to ensure that everything is invested in being his disciple. Not just extra, but everything. Okay? First, first, make sure that you sit down, estimate the cost, and then start the project as though you will finish it. So, do we have enough resources? Do we have the follow-through? It's a gut check. What's your character like? Are you the sort of person who's going to jump in two feet and then say, whoa, this deep end is really deep. I think I'm going to get out of the pool. Jesus is saying, check again. Before you jump in, understand what it's going to cost. So, understand this. Jesus is asking for all of our resources. But let's talk about time, especially our timeline as, as people. Jesus doesn't want just a few days of your life. He wants every day. Jesus doesn't want just every year. He wants a, a year. He wants every year, okay? So, I'm going to encourage you to do this as a practical step. Dedicate every year to God. If you have not yet dedicated 2018 to serving God, do it. Take the practical step. God, this year belongs to you, not me. Uh, and, and if you dedicate every year to God, you will be further along the path of finishing uh, your journey as a disciple. You know, uh, I've, I've got a picture of a plate of cookies here. You ever seen kids sharing cookies, right? One for me, one for you. One for me, I'm taking the fat one, one for you. One for me, that one has more chocolate chips, one for you. And we want to do this because we're human, right? We want to do this in our discipleship path as well. We, uh, when I was baptized, I immediately received a call from God to be a missionary. And my initial response was, yes, I will do that for you, God, later, right? Yes, God, I'm all in. That sounds great. But, you know, I'm only 13 right now, so obviously you don't mean today. You mean later. And I kept procrastinating. I kept delaying. That's not counting the cost, right? That's avoiding suffering. That's avoiding uh, what God is calling me to do. So I encourage you, don't dole out your days and your years as though they're cookies. One for me, one for you, God. That's yours. I'm taking this one here because, you know, I've had a tough time, and now I want a big fat cookie. So this year is just for me. No, that's not what God wants. All in. They're all for him. Jesus tells another parable. He says, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he has, is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000 men? If he's not able, he will send a peace delegation while the other is still a long way off, and he will ask for terms of peace. So Jesus wants us to ask, are you able to win? If you do this, because a lot of us have a good enough mindset, right? And Jesus wants to shake that up. This sense that, well, you know, I tried, right? 
or I'm going to do my best and that has to be enough. And Jesus says, no, you're in it to win, not just to participate. You're in it to, uh, uh, to have the definitive success, not partial success. And I'll just remind you that there are no participation medals if you're serving Jesus. Participation was a, was a fitness program that they had back in the 80s when I was a kid. Uh, and it was, uh, it was designed to get everybody doing things. And so everybody got a ribbon, right? Everybody was, oh, well done, well done. E- even if you were, came in last, you know, congratulations, you tried, right? Uh, there are no participation medals when it comes to life. Because life is not a video game, right? This is real war. We have a real enemy. And he's seeking to destroy us and destroy this church. And it's not enough just to be here. We need to serve as well. Okay? It's not enough to say, I think I'll try. It's only enough if Jesus wins. We all need to serve so that the church flourishes. So please, Don't just attend church. Defend this church. Get involved. Find practical ways to serve. That is a way to make a step. You are needed on the wall to defend this church because we have an enemy trying to destroy it. It's not enough just to show up and and be part of the service. So Jesus is questioning our commitment. Um, are we in the stands? Uh, are, are we cheering each others on, right? Are we like, you guys go for it. Yeah, grow that church. Yeah, good for you. Get out there and, and, and tell people about Jesus. Um, or are we in the fight? Are we actually participating in the core work of the church? You know, when Abu Fadl was counting the cost, he had, uh, he had to look at the case uh, with me, of an Afghan man. This Afghan man was named Abdurrahman, and Abdurrahman had to give up everything for Jesus. Abdurrahman had to give up his children and eventually his country in order to follow Jesus. And when Abu Fadl was counting the cost of what it means to be a disciple, he said, you know, the only way to win is if I give up everything for Christ. I can't win if I try to keep other things. And I said, I think you're right. I think you're right. In uh, verse 33, Jesus says, In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Can we just go over to that slide? And then I'm going to ask you to read that with me. Uh, Verse 33. Yeah, keep going forward. Yeah, there it is. All right, so let's start there. Those of you, together, let's read this out loud. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the words of Jesus. Okay. So, can I give up everything? See, Jesus now is shaking up my rights. My rights as a human being. My rights as a Canadian man. He says, I must submit everything to him. Starting with my body. I have to submit my body. I'm no longer free to do what I want. 
okay? When this comes to what I put in my body, what sort of substances I use, what sort of food I eat, uh, it comes to sex, things like that. I no longer have rights over my body. I have to give it all to Jesus. The same is with my money. It's actually his money, isn't it? So if Christ is not Lord of your assets, your wealth, he's not Lord at all. If I'm not ready to give up everything, he doesn't need me as his disciple. My free time. Ah, my free time is actually his time. My free time. Oh, it's so hard for me, this one. Because you see, I do, I, I like to think that I serve God a lot during the week. And when I get a break, I want to do my thing, right? I want it to be for me. And that normally means being alone, right? But uh, Jesus says it's his time, and I have to submit it to him. I need to be in the habit of going to Jesus and his people for recuperation after a hard week, after tough work, instead of being alone and saying, I need my free time. Jesus says, you need more of my time with you, and I need to get in that habit. That's something Jesus is working on in my life. So here's a practical step for all of us. If we are going to truly give up everything, we must be accountable to Christian community. Specifically, we need to connect deeply and honestly with other Christians in this room. A few, not necessarily everyone, but there has to be an accountability relationship in our Christian community where people know what's going on in our life and they can help us be honest about whether or not we are sold-out disciples of Jesus or not. So allow me to encourage you today, choose intimacy. See, our culture allows us to keep people at an arm's length. You don't actually have to let people get to know you. You don't actually have to have shengdi, right? You can just have acquaintances, right? People that you hang out with. But what about blood brothers? What about a real brother who knows everything that's going on in your head and is ready to say, today, you need to sell a little bit more of yourself to Jesus and uh, give up a little bit more to him. We need accountability. Choose intimacy. No one can make you do it. But Christ is calling you to that. Have accountability relationships. Well, Jesus isn't quite done yet. He continues on, verses 34 to 35. This is the same passage. He says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor even for the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears... Let him hear. Well, that's a little unexpected. You know, I guess the parable about going to war was kind of unexpected. The parable about building a tower was kind of unexpected. Salt? Salt? What is Jesus talking about here? He's saying that if we become stale disciples, if we become disciples who no longer contribute, then we are as worthless as salt that has lost its flavor. So do I have ears? Am I hearing this for me? Jesus wants to shake up our myth of success. So we have this myth that 
if you are a good Christian or a good Christian leader, then uh, you're set for life, right? Ah, you know, what a great job he did back in 1995. What a good Christian, right? But Jesus is shaking up that success mentality because over time, all of us, remember Jesus knows me, he knows you, all of us, we lose our edge, right? We lose our panache, we lose our special flavor, and we start just kind of coasting. I'm going to take my foot off the gas a little bit here. I'm just going to ride this one out. And you don't have to wait until you have a little white in your beard for this to happen, right? It can happen earlier in life. You can have a big success. You can have a big fruitful ministry. You can do something wonderful for God and then try to coast on that. It's not okay. Jesus says it's not worthwhile. So here's uh, the truth, that in time, we can become weaker, not stronger. So I have a practical step for us. I'm going to say, please mentor newer disciples. If you are a mature Christian, in order to avoid the danger of losing your saltiness, disciple people. Where's your next Abu Fadl? Right? Where is he? Where is she? Do you know them? Are you working with them? Be a mentor. Because this is a clear warning for all of us. Don't become useless over time. Jesus is telling us that not only does it cost everything to be his disciple, but it's going to cost us our whole life, all the way through to the end. There's a phrase for this. It comes from Roman history. It's called resting on your laurels. So in the days a Roman general would go out, he would have a military success, and he would get a special crown that was called laurels. And then, sometimes, he did nothing else for the, for the empire. He said, I have my laurels. See? What a great success that was. Jesus is destroying our myth of success. Don't rest on your laurels. Well, I don't know about you, but right now at this point, I'm kind of shaken, but all the way to the core of my being. Jesus is jolting us from complacency for a reason, okay? But I'm getting a little scared. I, I know me. I know that I'm a failure type of guy, not a success type of guy. I'm not the guy who's going to win. I'm not the guy who's going to throw in all my resources. I'm not the guy who's going to give Jesus everything. And so I have a problem. Maybe I shouldn't be a disciple of Jesus. Maybe I should just say, thanks, Jesus, but this is not for me. I'm not good enough to be one of your disciples. I like everything you're offering, but I know I'm going to fail, so I'd better not start. Here's the great news, that in Jesus... His love is greater than our failures. His love is greater than our lack of character. Uh, his grace is better than our sin. His grace will overcome all of our, uh, our inability uh, to be his disciple. And you know, his church is greater than our solo efforts. So even if me standing on my own doesn't really have much of a chance, the church around me can help and be part of that. I want to remind you, of a verse in Matthew 19. Jesus says this. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, we're talking about money again here. 
It is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. There's a, another version of uh, translation of the Bible that says, they were greatly perplexed. Ah! Okay, they asked, who then can be saved? Right? I can't cut it. He can't cut it. Rich people can't cut it. We don't have a chance. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I want you to say that out loud with me. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Because it's not about you and whether or not you can make it. It's not about you and whether or not you're good enough to be a disciple. It's about Jesus. It's about the fact that Jesus is going to make you a disciple. Not that you're going to try harder and pull it off in the end. You don't have what it takes, so relax. <laughs> okay? You're not strong enough. You're not good enough. You're not holy enough. Uh, you're not sold out enough. You're not committed enough. You aren't. Neither am I. But that's okay. Jesus is going to make up for all of our failures. He's going to make up for all of our missing parts. He's going to make sure we get over the finish line. Thankfully, this is about Jesus and how faithful he is and how mighty he is to save. But he doesn't want any of us walking into a lifetime of discipleship without understanding it's going to cost you. This is no joyride. This is a life of suffering. Just like he had, we can expect the same. I'm going to invite uh, Kathy and the worship team to come up. Uh, I want to tell a quick story about Abu Fadl. Abu Fadl is a story of miracles. You can't find a Saudi guy who becomes a Christian. You can't be a Christian in Saudi Arabia and still get to marry the girl of your dreams, but he did. You can't be a Christian Saudi and be allowed to keep your children. No, the government will take them away from you. The family, no, he's got his children living with him. You can't be a Saudi and be a Christian. But in 12 years, he has proved that it's impossible for us, but not impossible for God. So let's just quickly review some of these practical steps. Pray for others. Jesus is going to be first in your life then. Anticipate hardship because you will suffer for Jesus. Dedicate every year to God. Make a plan to serve him. Don't just attend. Defend your church. Volunteer here in practical, useful ways. Be accountable to your Christian community. Engage with people. Be intimate with people. And please, mentor new disciples. Re-engage in the original passion that you had for the Great Commission. I want to leave you with a quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham says, Salvation is free, but discipleship costs everything we have. May God bless you as you put this to work in your own life. <laughs>